Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Chalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what if I don't fit in either community? So Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both have credits from community colleges. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I never actually went to a community college, but Ben did. I went to a brick and mortar community college in person. This is such a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it was while I was in high school, so I did, I did a program called Running Start. Okay. And I would go to high school for like two classes, and I would do a full load of community colleges. Nice. Community college classes my senior year. I did something really similar, like it was dual enrollment, but I never actually had to go to the school. Oh, I just well, got the credits. I went, I, it was like half of my class was like college-age students, like normal college-age, and then a fourth were like people from high school, and then the other fourth were like moms going back to school. We like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. So today we're joined by Greg Peterson. Hello, Greg. Hi there. Hey, Greg. So tell us a little bit about you. I'm Greg. Uh, <laughs> I am 46. I live in Phoenix and I work at a community college and <gasps> I went to a community college. So. What? Very nice. We didn't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you say you work at a community college. What do you do there? So usually when people ask, I tell them I do administration. And then if I really have to tell them, I admit that I'm the president of one of the colleges. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that college and what work is like there. So um, I work at Chandler Gilbert Community College. Uh, they're in the Maricopa District. So there are 10 community colleges. We serve almost 200,000 students a year. Wow. Um, wow. Chandler Gilbert, we have about 15,000 a year. Um, it I, We serve Chandler Gilbert, East Mesa, um, and Queen Creek. Um, so a very large Latter-day Saint community in that space. Uh, we are the first uh, college in the nation to have an artificial intelligence machine learning degree program, certificate program, Whoa. working with Intel. You're teaching people how to have robots take over the world. Yes. Okay. Ethically. Well. Uh, okay. <clears throat> They'll be our benevolent overlords. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I'm gay. I, I am attempting to be active um, and live both parts of my life. Yeah. So, so what's your relationship with the church like right now? I guess I would say an active member. I go to church every Sunday. Um, I have a calling. <laughs> I'm calling. I lead the music. Apparently, when you're gay, you you lead the music. You lead the music. So, <laughs> yeah. Actually, what, actually, when the bishop asked, he didn't know. He just said, "So I have a feeling that you could lead the music." I'm like, "Well, I'm gay. If I didn't have musical ability and a sense of fashion, they would take my card away." So. <laughs> my card's been taken so many times. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't do a lot else. You know, I serve where I can in the church. Um, but then I um, I still struggle to feel like I fit in that community at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Greg, you said you came out when you were, sorry, you said you're 46. Tell us about when you came out and why then. So I came out when I was 38. So, I, you know, I'm, I was early trendsetter. Um, Are you 38? I'm 38 now. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It, and I'm gay, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Quit trying to take his story. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, for me, um, you know, we're talking a little bit about that, that sense of fit. Um, for me, I am that the aspects of my, so my sexual identity, my religious identity are, in, are just interwoven. They're just who I am. So my sexual identity has really influenced how I've experienced the world, how um, I've, I've seen relationships, my sensitivities, my awareness, just just how things have happened and how then I navigate. My religious identity really is my why, my meaning. Mm -hmm. the, so making sense of the purpose of why I'm here and what I'm supposed to become. I mean, you can't really take those two apart. Right. Um, but I spent most of my 
you know, trying to be a good disciple of Christ. I spent most of my life trying to ignore, remove, leave behind that, um, that sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, got to a point where, uh, I was really in a really dark space. Yeah. Um, and it just couldn't, couldn't continue in that space. The, you know, it, it's, um, I think sometimes we mean well when we talk about all the blessings that come in the future. Um, but for me, I think like others, I kept hearing then, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, if, if the future is where all the good is, well, then maybe I should stop making a mess of now and just move to then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that got me to a point where I, I needed to, I needed to accept who I, who I was. So I actually, um, stepped away from the church, um, and dated and fell in love with a guy and I was in a relationship for a few years. Um, for me, that was interesting. The other flip side of that was maybe because I'd gotten so good at it <laughs> for so many years, but I found myself hiding my religious identity mm. in that space. So I think it's been most of my life is trying to figure out how can I be authentic and own all of me. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a real almost like pull between these two communities that you belong to. So thinking about this, so if, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you think of Hogwarts. Every student gets, when students go into the, the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft for Wizardry, they get uh, placed into one of four houses. And it's very distinct. You're either a Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, or Ravenclaw. Which one are you? So that's what I'm going to get to. Okay. <laughs> but, um, no, but which one are you in the Pottermore quiz? <laughs> um, I'm Ravenclaw. Oh, uh, I, uh, that uh, makes yeah. sense. A college president. Right. You're a Hufflepuff, huh, Ben? Of course. Yeah, me too. Very loyal. But, but I, feel like, I feel like I'm a Ravenpuff. Okay. Right. Um, it, you know, I, I feel like I, when I look at the characteristics of a Hufflepuff and that kindness and the thoughtfulness and um, that the sensitivity around the world, that that's just as much as me as my books sense and my enjoyment yeah. for academia. Um, but the way that Hogwarts is set up is there is no option. You're either one of four. Right. Um, and the way that you resolve that, because Harry Potter's a good example. He um, was a Slytherin and a Gryffindor. He could have been either. And he had to choose. And he had to choose which one he was more of. Right. Mm. And I think that our society is built that way where we say, okay, well, it's okay mm. to be two things, but you have to choose which one you're more of. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I actually really relate to a lot of what you're saying. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it seems like the cultural currents of like being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and being a gay man, which is how I identify are so strong. Like both of them like have their own groups and there, there's not much crossover, right? It's like, like you were saying, you, you choose which one you're, you're more of, and then you stay in that lane. It's been like, i like a past five years struggle, I guess for me to like try to be in the middle space because, and, and I felt myself pull more to one side or the other at different times in my life. And it seems like if I pull too far to one side, I just feel like there's like a, a void in me and my soul, like part of me has to be rejected in order to like fully encompass socially the other part. And then on the flip side, the same thing happens. And so it's kind of like, how do you be a gay member of the church? Like how, how do you keep these, like this religious identity and this orientation identity and all of like the social elements that come with that and, and keep both cards like we were saying at the beginning. So you felt like you were trying to split your soul and make horcruxes and that didn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like, I mean, so many people feel that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, most of the people I, I talk to feel that way. And we, we've gotten tons of emails with a question similar to this. Like, I don't really feel like I fit in either place. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? 
but that's what we're going to try and figure out. <laughs> yeah. So, so Greg, have there been other times you kind of like felt this this distinction between like maybe I I don't quite fit in or I don't belong? Yeah, I had a so recently I had an experience that um was really interesting for me in the space. So um, I was invited to um, to attend a special session for the LGBTQ leadership for the Mesa Open House, and so we were in this session, um, and of course, as you go through the temple. One of the, the pinnacle aspects of the temple is temple marriage, mm-hmm. um, specifically between a man and a woman. And, and, so and you're there as like a, an LGBTQ leader in the community. I, I was invited as part of an LGBTQ leader in the community. So do they, do they know you're a member of the church? So we started by introductions, and okay. of the group, there was a good number who had either grown up in the church and left, and then there were a few of us that were members actively in the church. And then That makes were, sense. It's Mesa, right? Right. And then there are a few others that were not uh, affiliated with the church, right? So, um, so there's a mix there. Um, and... <laughs> And I felt like, and then maybe that was part of it, because I felt like I introduced myself wearing what would have been appropriate church attire. Right? Um, I feel very comfortable having attended in the temple, um, knowing what this space is. Yeah. Um, and during this tour, it became very apparent that that there there wasn't a clear connection between the LGBTQ community and the church. That, that there wasn't a way to reconcile how the LGBTQ community had a connection to the temple. So we talked mm-hmm. a lot about the blessings of the temple. You know, there were, I'll be honest, there were moments where I wondered even when we talked about genealogy and how everyone was connected, if the LGBT, as I, a gay man, was really even connected mm-hmm. within that. Um, because so much emphasis was placed upon that, that marriage relationship and families from that marriage. Mm-hmm. I guess in this moment where I feel like I'm part of both communities, but I can't be one of the communities that I so am. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this building was a place also kind of felt like home. It felt familiar. Yeah. And then to feel out of place in that space. Yeah. To feel like I, I was home, but then it wasn't my home. Um, and then to, to, to feel the, the discomfort and, and pain of my other community in the room. Right. And watching them and, and I was so proud. I was so proud of those leaders who were so kind and respectful. Um, it, it, for me, as we talk about this peacemaker, right, they were in the space that they could have very easily in our community, in our time right now, very much uh, uh, become contentious, um, mm-hmm. argued points. And instead, they were gracious um, and really um, acknowledged the beauty and the history of the building um, and listened very patiently the whole time where, again, um, it felt as if we were being othered in that space. It sounds like both a, both a painful experience and like a beautiful experience to see your community respond in such a kind, compassionate way. Yeah. And work as bridge builders. Yeah. But like almost at the expense of your other community, like by the hand of, of your other community. You know, and all, um, so there was a moment for me that was really hard. So we're about three quarters through the tour and we ended up sitting in the celestial room. Mm-hmm. And normally, and of course they say, well, let's go take a couple of minutes and just sit quietly in the celestial room. And, and normally that's my favorite part of attending the temple is that moment of peace of feeling I can connect to my, uh, my heavenly parents. And I sat there and I felt so uncomfortable and I felt so, so conflicted about, you know, should I even be here with these pieces? And, and then and then to walk out and have one of the, the non-member participants say to me, oh, that was the most lovely experience to sit in that room. I, I, I'm so mm-hmm. glad we got to do that. And, 
And I'm like, yes, I'm so glad you got to do that. And, and I wish that I could have, have had that same experience. Um, but today I can't. Mm, that's really tough. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, and, th- and thanks for sharing that, Greg. You know, it sound, you know, what was it like for you when you like, walked out of the temple? Like, what, what feelings were going on in your head? I, have, I just decided. I decided that I am gay and I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and so I walked out trying to find that space again where I was both mm-hmm. and where I could be both because two days later, I had volunteered to lead a group of college leaders and one of my good friends who is president at Mesa Community College um, is lesbian and um, has a wife and no affiliation with the church. And so I knew I had to now take her through that experience and be ready to understand and care for her experiences as part of that community and to represent with great respect and love for the church that I have. Yeah, I was happy I had a day job. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So Ben, I'm wondering how you have found kind of like synthesis with both of these like conflicting pieces inside you. Well, one of the odd things is like I've, I've spent most of my life outside of Utah. Mm -hmm. uh, And so then it's like weird that I'm a member of the church, right? And not weird that I'm gay. But of course, I wasn't gay. To, well, I didn't let anyone know I was gay till I was older. So when I was working at the University of Arizona, I was doing my PhD work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching a Spanish class as I want to do, and I had to leave early to for this like documentary I was going to be interviewed for, and it was about being a gay member of the church. And so I was like, guys, I'm sorry, I got to leave early today. And like, well, what are you doing? I was like, well, I have an interview. And they said, was it for a job? I said, no, it's for a documentary. And they said, what's the documentary about? And I said, it's about gay Mormons. And this kid slapped his desk and he said, you're Mormon. <laughs> And like, so like being gay wasn't the weird thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and so like there it was like that was the odd thing. Um, but also at the same time, like I was living with with two lesbian women and renting a room in their house, and and they were just like so thrilled with my life. Like they didn't really care about they they didn't like try and make me have to choose, and they like uh-huh. talked to their friends about me, introduced me to their friends, and it just didn't feel like it was a conflict there. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I was, as far as I know, the the first like openly gay person in, in Tucson in, in the church. And and so I was like, I'm just going to be me. And and so and everyone was just super loving and kind. And that wasn't really a problem. Um, but I would say the time where I, I like felt this conflict was in my last ward in Tucson. I was the ward mission leader. And I didn't really know what to do when I was like meeting investigators. Because mm. do I like tell them I'm gay and then they like have this view that the church is like filled with like super gay affirming? People? Yeah. Or if I tell them I'm gay, are they then going to be turned off because they like the conservative nature of our of our faith? And almost every time, I just kind of just I was like, I just have to I have to be mean. Like I can't. Yeah. Like hiding is going to do no good because at some point they're going to know anyway. Yeah. And uh, one of the investigators who I hadn't met yet at the time. Uh, came to church and and he was there on the day I came out and he was like covered in tattoos and had recently gotten out of prison and was like wondering if he was going to belong in the church and so when I came out and he said he was looking to see how people responded to to my disclosing that he said all he saw were smiles and nods he said that's when he knew he could belong to the church Mm, cool and so so I haven't really felt like a huge disconnect from both communities just because I feel like I'm just going to be me and I'm just overly confident and so I'm going to find a place where mm-hmm. I belong. Yeah. I like that. It, 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 to me, it sounded like there were kind of two pieces to that because on the one hand, there's like this strong sense of self. There's this determination to 
just be yourself, be authentic, not give up parts of yourself Mm -hmm. just because you feel like other people would be uncomfortable with that. But at the same time, you, you mentioned that couple you were living with people in the ward and their reactions and just like other people who weren't acting like a sorting hat, who weren't saying, Nope, you're either this or this, you have to choose. And it sounds like you found those people that gave you that space to where you could really choose a more authentic authenticity. Yeah. If that makes sense. Definitely. And, and honestly, people have been like so kind and respectful about the way I choose to live my life. Like I, I was hanging out with Jordan, the guy I dated years ago, and a bunch of his friends, and almost all of his friends were LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. So we're hanging out and they all knew about me and that I was like active in the church and I worked at BYU in the honor code office. And and so one of them walked up to me and she was like, I'm sorry, can you please explain to me your life? <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a good like 20 minute conversation afterwards. She was like, well, that wouldn't work for me, but I'm world that's working for you that's cool and then we you know hung out for another couple hours and had a good time yeah yeah i feel like for me building a really strong support system that was like real was really helpful because i did and, and sometimes honestly still feel still do feel like i have to like be one or the other there, there was like this t- like it was a brief period but once i was like coming out and was graduating from byu from my undergrad i was like I'm just going to have to only hang out with gay people now. I'm going to have to go to clubs and parties and just like, that's going to have to be my life. Ugh, so much loud music. I love loud music. Though. <laughs> I do <laughs> I love to dance. Hey. <laughs> I don't want to go to a gay club or a straight club. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was just interesting because like that, that was like a, like a cognitive fallacy, right? Like just because I'm gay doesn't mean I have to like be stereotypical. And just because I'm LDS doesn't. And I don't know. I'm not explaining this well, but just like, I thought like I was my own sorting hat. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And that, that was like where most of the contention within me lie laid lied load load. (laughs) That's where it (laughs) load within me. And, and so it, it was, it was cool to see though, because I had people in my life who were like, you just, just be you just do what you want. And they kind of like picked that apart in me and allowed me to have space too. So I like that. Like, like the strong sense of self, but also with other people who allow you to have that authenticity. I think that's important. And I think in my life is I found people who like actually care about me. Right. Like regardless of orientation and regardless of religion or spirituality or congregational involvement that like those people care about you. Uh And those are like the people in your life that you want to have people who like, regardless of your religious affiliation or your orientation or how you're interacting with either of those Uh are going to be there and support you and love you and just cheer when you're happy. For sure. I think sometimes it's hard to find and then trying to figure out uh, how you get comfortable with yourself and find others who are comfortable with yourself and still navigate expectations around you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I am, I I have not have a, had a blessed life with my interaction with my, uh, my priest authorities. I feel like Mm. I've played a lot of Bishop roulette and I've won a couple times, but in general I've had Vegas (sighs) odds the, um, the, and, and not because anyone was, unkind or intended to be unkind malicious right but uh these expectations around um what it means to be an active member what it means Mm -hmm. to be a child of god a disciple of christ um what it means to be i would even say a man or a priesthood holder in the church and um and so i i think some of it is acknowledgement of there's going to be constant dissonance to just to, to stand in the middle, to be different, is going to lead to tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, um, when you can find others who can help mitigate some of that tension is where you're most successful. 
but I don't think the tension ever goes away. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really good point. You know, like I will get emails on the same day where someone's like, you are the spawn of Satan, you are leading people to sin. And then other people say, you are not a real gay person if you were part of that church. Right. Like I get this, those emails on the same day, like people from like both extremes being upset with me. Mm-hmm. I really like what you were saying about the tension. And I've, I've talked to many people recently who are just like, I just want all of this to go away. And it almost seemed like for me, when I was wanting all of the tension and pain and confusion to go away, it almost became bigger. Because I was just like, leave, leave, leave. And I was just like so focused on that tension and like the negative aspects or the difficult parts of it. But now that you're saying that, I, I like, I feel like once I accepted that tension and was like, there's growth from tension. Like this is, this is weightlifting. This is bodybuilding. This is, yeah. this is soul building, right? It's difficult, but it, it helps me grow. That's when it like, A, became more manageable, but B, became more of a blessing than a curse. And, and for me, as I've learned that I don't have to own the tension. It's not my tension. I have to. I have to explain that more. I I don't create the challenges that other people have with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I've learned so. Um, so I'm I'm an administrator. People are typically mad at me at some level. Like it's just it's just part of my job, right? <laughs> I make difficult decisions um, for a lot of different people. So I've learned in that time that usually when people are mad at me, they're not mad at me. I'm not important enough in their life that they even really think about me. It's not like they wake up in the morning and like, oh, I hate you. You're like, like but, come on, President Peterson, how dare you be such a terrible person? <laughs> right. It's just, it's just the issues that uh, I represent or I'm part of. So I, so the more I understand that when, so when I'm hanging out with my LGBTQ friends and something about the church comes up, this tension, it's not about me. Mm. Right. Um, when I'm in, in church and I, I swear sometimes it's like, I, don't, I won't tell you. I won't tell you that I'm gay. But if you keep hounding me because we think in the church that small talk is the weather, your job, and your dating status. Right. Right. Well, I mean, at some point, if you keep asking, I'm going to tell you I'm gay. Right. And that makes you uncomfortable. I can't own that. Okay? Yeah. That's, 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 so the tension's there, and I have to acknowledge that I have to live with that tension. Um, but I think it's easier when I can let go of the burden of, of feeling like I'm responsible for the tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And what has the tension done for you? Like, how has it been a positive in your life? So I love, I'm a true, I'm a true community college champion. I just love what we do. And, and you know, I attended BYU and BYU is a wonderful institution and universities are, BYU was built for the best of the best in our academic system. I mean, if you, if you think about the grades, the experiences you have to have to be admitted, um, the community college, our joke is, uh, we're highly selective. We only take the top 100% of applicants. Right? <laughs> so you can, as, as Ben said from his examples, you can, uh, you can come back anytime in your life at any age. Um, yeah. You can decide today to sign up for classes tomorrow. I mean, we're really an open institution. Um, and, and what I've learned is we have to meet people where they are. If we truly believe in education, education will change people's lives. We have to meet them where they are, not expect them to come to us. Mm. And my, this tension has taught me that I need people to meet me where I am. And then I need to return that same courtesy and meet people where they are in this space. Yeah. So if we were like put that into like a church context, 
whoever wants to affiliate, how are we going to make space for them? How how can we take them as they are? And same thing with you know LGBTQ folks like in that community, like like how can we take someone who might be religious? How can we make sure that that they feel that they can come as they are? Yeah. yeah. Can I be that guy for a second? Yeah. So, <laughs> Brene Brown. <laughs> um, I, I read Braving the Wilderness like right before I came out publicly and it actually ended up being a real blessing because I've felt a lot of connections to um, her research and, and writings but I have like two quotes from this book that I kind of want to weave together with a story um, the first is the concept of belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone in a wilderness and, and I love that idea I think it speaks to that self-assurance you were talking about Ben of just like I am I belong to me and, and I choose what that looks like. And then there's this, this other quote that I think was just really powerful and maybe a little bit cheesy, but I liked it. <laughs> Who doesn't uh, love cheese? <laughs> she said, there will be times when standing alone feels too hard, too scary, and we'll doubt our ability to make our way through the uncertainty. Someone somewhere will say, don't do it. You don't have what it takes to survive the wilderness. This is when you reach deep into your wild heart and remind yourself, I am the wilderness. And again, I just think that's so powerful. Like when there's all this like contention and tension and like ambiguity, you're like, this is me. Like I got this cause I am this. And I, I remember, um, a few months after I came out, I was, um, scheduled to perform at love loud and AT&T was doing this young heroes campaign. And I felt like a rock star. Like I was like, wow, I'm so cool and I'm gay. And I went to pride and they were like following my journey to like the love loud stage and doing like a mini documentary series. And so there was this film crew that was, that was there from LA and I had a makeup artist and I was like, wow, I'm so cool. And I'm like wearing this cute outfit and like leading this pride float. And I was like, I was so confident in my orientation and it, it was more than just like this, I feel attractive and cool. It was just like, I can't believe I'm so confident in owning this aspect of me that I had always pushed away or demonized. And, and I was walking down the street and I was like, wow, like it was such this fulfilling moment. And I was just moving right along. And as I was going, I saw a steeple. It was in Salt Lake. I saw a church steeple and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Sunday. And then it was so funny because all of that like exuberance deflated and I was like I want to be at church and it was so weird like I'm I'm like feeling like a superstar gay but I'm like there's a piece of me that's missing because I know what day it is and I could see like people walking in the building as we got closer to it and so um the parade ended and we were supposed to like go film at another location and I was thinking like, you know what, like I'm in this outfit. It wasn't like immodest, but like it was pretty gay, you know? <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I like toyed with the idea and I was like, everyone's going to think I'm weird if I go in the church and like this film crew is going to be like, why are you going to church right now? But then I was like, you know what? No, like that's not who I am. Like if I'm not fulfilled and I'm not making decisions based on my own moral compass, my own desires, then what's the point of this fake authenticity walking down the street? So um, I, w I just told the film crew, I was like, hey, y'all, I, I need an hour. I got to go take care of something and I'll be right back. And um, I walked into the church building and I sat down and everyone was staring at me and I just didn't care. 
and the opening hymn was there's sunshine in my soul today mm-hmm. and like that's again that's so cheesy but like it was so meaningful and i was like you know what i don't care if everyone in the world thinks i'm a complete loony right now i am happy yeah. and and to me like that was like me like braving the wilderness and be like i am the wilderness like let's go yeah yeah, Charles, you were talking, I just kind of was thinking about like culture and how culture gets created. Mm-hmm. And culture isn't a static thing and it's just created by people. And if we're part of a culture, we have a we can influence it mm. and create it and make it better. That's cool. And so if we have a culture in the church that that feels like LGBTQ people don't fit into our community, then that's something that all of us have agency in. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you think that you choose to not fit sometimes? Um Maybe sometimes I, th- I think, I, I, but but I I, I feel I, like it maybe, but I do feel like both. people also choose to like exclude. So. Definitely, definitely. But can you choose to fit where you want to fit in the face of exclusion? I think so. Yeah, and you can. I think you if can always if it's not like harming you. Mm-hmm. I like that though, because like we are the culture. I, I like this. Uh, that's powerful. The idea that we can like build out that middle space because it. Like where I saw it, it didn't exist. I'm like, well, it better exist because it's me and I exist. So it's somewhere and somewhere out there, there's got to be somebody else who feels this way. And here you are. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that as you're talking. Um, I struggle to figure out. So in a work setting, I, I feel very comfortable being vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and partly part of that's because I can always get a new job. Right? <laughs> like if, if I really biff it. And I who can, would fire you? You're, you're the boss. I, well, I do have a boss. But, <laughs> but so I, I can work on culture um, at the college. And we've really been focused the past couple of years, especially with the pandemic, on kindness. And how do we have grace and kindness and inclusion? For me, that's harder. It's harder for me to feel empowered to do that in a church setting. And I, and I, and some of that is really reflecting on me. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm 46. I've come out to over 10 bishops and over 10 different wards. I've always been the only openly gay member mm-hmm. in a ward. So I think some of that has been my challenge of accepting that it's always going to be that way. I'm the one 46 year old that didn't figure it out. Or I, I think that's a, a challenge for many of us is to figure out Again, we can't own this. We didn't create this. We can help recreate, but how do we how do we find that space where we do it and with safety, where we do it with, where we can still be our best selves? Yeah, yeah. Greg, as you were talking, I was imagining you walking into these ten different wards by yourself and feeling alone. It sounds like that must be a terribly lonely experience. So I, w- I had one ward. I'll just share that. So I had one ward where um, I was as active. I was in the choir ward choir and. They practice right before the uh, sacrament. And you know how uh, families fill up, it's a family word, families fill up all of the pews. So typically single people sit in the back. Well, this ward had a lot of families. And of course, families often run late with lots of kids. And so all the pews were filled. And then I had three weeks in a row where I couldn't find a seat, where I went to sit in the back and I went to sit down and someone said to me that that was being saved for a family. So, oh, so, so, sad. so I spent three weeks sitting in the foyer, uh-huh. right? Um, and then, I think we say four years. I like foyer, though. I like that's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so, um, so then I had a, a 
uh, a chance opportunity to talk to the bishop, and so I brought it up, and and unfortunately, the bishop saw that as such a simple issue that I could fix on my own that wasn't a concern. And what I heard was, if helping me find a seat in sacrament wasn't even important, I mean, even something that small to, to fix, then my bigger issues, like how who would be there to help me with the bigger right. issues? Mm-hmm. So, so I... I I, I do want to acknowledge that I, I think sometimes for for those of us who are trying to navigate this space, it's a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. Greg, how, how could people help you in that space? Well, you know, I was talking to another friend of mine, and he said, well, I would have just saved a seat. I just would have, if I had known, I just would have saved a seat, or I would have asked someone to save a seat, mm-hmm. right? Um, which, again, isn't isn't a big deal. And we should be thinking that way for all of our members, not just the gay ones, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, well, I, I'm just picturing someone like being like someone asking this to next to a family, like, "Oh, this seat's saved for my gay friend." Like, "Well, when are they coming?" Well, I don't know if they're coming, but when they want to come, it's here. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, and and I guess to do that, like, membership as a whole is going to have to think of LGBTQ plus individuals as part of the membership as part of the children of God. And and one thing that stood out to me from your original story was you were saying that like, it felt like a disconnect, like here you are a member of the church, but like, because you were there with like the gays, right. Uh, the queer people you were like viewed as not. Yeah. And like, we just can't, we can't afford to do that anymore. Cause how like these preconceived notions about what a disciple of Christ look like, looks like are excluding disciples of Christ from being part of us. How cool would it be if, like, I showed up to church and someone said, "No, I'm saving this for my family," and they were saving it for me, like that, oh, yeah. right? That that I was seen as part of their family, not not the yeah. the random gay dude. Or <laughs> yeah. the, but like, I, like, I like I like your story way better than mine. <laughs> but it's like, yes, yes, you can sit here because I'm saving it for my family. Yeah, and that's you. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. Have you gotten to have that experience where you felt like people were making space for you? I'm still I'm still navigating that. Um, I have friends, typically not my word, but I have friends that I rely on that help me remind me that I'm valued. I belong. I I find, um, and there's a comment that Charlie you made in your last podcast that that really resonated with me. I find that as long as I act straight, that it's a safe place in the ward. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think people realize like. So I love to travel, but I can't talk about my travel because I did a lot of it with my ex. And so, and I can't, I can't erase him from all of those experiences. Well, and, you, and you shouldn't have to. Right. And so, so I find myself not talking about, and so then I find myself, well, if I can't talk about that, I can't talk about this. And so as I censor, I, I close down more and more. Yeah. And so what you get at church from me is just a sliver, like, um, Right, because I because I'm trying to figure out where to be safe. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this space because I want to belong. Yeah, um, and and I'm not going to tell you I'm not gay, right? Like I'm, I'm I've I gotten that far. I'm going to own who I am. Um, but I think that next space of unpacking that with other people is hard. Yeah, if, it it doesn't feel fair that all that weight of figuring out how to fit in is put on you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel fair. I, uh, I, I've had very different experiences in wards. Like my, my last ward in Tucson, there were at least five families that had, I had like an open invitation to sit with them. Mm-hmm. And so people were like sad I didn't sit with them. So, but I'm a hoot at church. So, 
<laughs> um, and, 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 and in that way, I, I've just been really lucky to just have like landed in really affirming places. And you know, I, I wish all of your wards could be that way too. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't have to be your job to make sure that you feel like you belong there. I'm going to get a list of this as BMLB, be more like Ben. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, just land luckily no. <laughs> in places where I landed. You know, I was, I was reading, um, fourth Nephi last night, which is like one of my favorite like books of scripture. I think it's so fascinating. And I came across that pretty well-known, well-quoted verse in verse 17, where it talks about there were no ites among them. There were no others. And I was thinking about that last night. And I don't think that, well, I don't feel like that's referring to there weren't different people because there were like, there were different tribes and different peoples, but I felt that it more meant that there, there was mutual support and respect among all people, regardless of difference. And when I'm thinking of like identities and marginalization, like identities matter when they influence the way you're viewed and treated, right? That's, that's when it like becomes like a a blinking light. Right. And so I think to have this Zion mentality, the way to do that is, isn't to be like, well, your identity isn't, doesn't matter because we're all the same. It's to say, you know what? We're different and I respect, I see your differences. And, and I understand that you're coming to church alone and maybe a little bit, you know, scared, like in a vulnerable spot. And I'm going to make that space for you. And I, I really would just to love to see like a community in at large that's like these five families, Ben, that want you to sit by them, where that everyone has a space on the pew, but not just in the pew, like everywhere, like everyone has that full space. You know, and, and we're talking about LGBTQ people like like we're the one of 99 that Christ would go after and make sure we have a space for. You know, Greg, you work in a community college where a lot of people might feel like the one. Who, who are the, the, the other kinds of people you encounter who might feel like they don't belong or fit in? So we have, I, I really appreciate you saying that, Ben. I think for me, um, one of the greatest blessings of, of being gay is being able to see others mm-hmm. who, who don't fit. Um, you know, especially in a, in a community college setting, um, we have, um, uh, some of our students of color that struggle, um, our, our native students, um, have lower success rates, our African-American male students. And there's a reservation just south of Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. So there are 22, uh, tribal nations in Arizona. So we have, we're, we have one of the largest populations of American Indians in the nation. Um, the, 25 and age 25 and up so um, if you're older and you're coming back to college is hard mm-hmm. you know you're balancing family other commitments it's a really difficult space we find that students who um, have um, uh, so socioeconomic issues right and so they're having to work more I mean, that's that's a significant challenge so students yeah. who attend part-time struggle um, we we have seen across and i know byu's experience as well it's, it's a national phenomenon of of student mental health and well-being, so we're having more students who are struggling with anxiety, who are struggling with depression. Um, you know, there's there's these spaces of, of how do how do you feel like you're not enough um, in your head and still feel like you're enough um, on campus? Mm-hmm. I think there's so many things that we carry in our community that if if we can meet people where they are, and just because I meet you where you are doesn't mean that I have to. I have to step in and and be in a, in 
and, and own that same space or adopt that space with you, right? Um, you know, I meet, I did a student conduct as part of my career. I still deal with the big ones. Um, and I've got students who have done things that they should not have done. Um, and we're never going to condone the, the experiences. And yet I want them to be happy. I want them to be successful. And so for me in that moment, even if I feel like what they've done is completely wrong, it's more important that they learn and grow and be successful. That's what matters in that. Not that I get to go home and say I was right and I'm a better person because I never did that. So, so I think in that space of even if I see something about someone else that I don't agree with, like the, the end goal isn't, I was thinking about this the other day, how much, what percentage of Christ's ministry on earth was spent cleaning out the temple mm-hmm. versus how much time was spent with the poor and the oppressed and the, uh, and the outside? Yeah. Right? And, and yet sometimes I think we, we want to clean out the we temple. We want to clean out the temple every morning, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's flashy. So, so Greg, I'm imagining some listener who's like, these are great stories. This is nice, but I still don't feel like I fit in. Like, I don't feel like I fit in as Larry is saying. I don't feel like I fit in as an LGBTQ person. What, what, what advice or counsel would you have for someone who just really feels like they don't fit in in either space? Oh, golly. Well, first of all, um, first of all, be really careful about role models because none of us um, are great role models. Like, we're all human and we just are trying. I think that's important. For me, it's a, the fundamental thing is the relationship with our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I had to I had to get to a point where I, it didn't matter what anyone else thought. I knew that God loved me, and I didn't believe that for a really long time. Once, once I got to a space where I knew at the end of the day it didn't matter how I was treated, didn't matter where, where I, I belonged or didn't belong, that I belonged to God and that He loved me, that had to happen for then other people to enter my life and for me to see those opportunities. So really feeling that, that ownership that God has over you, that God, that God claims you. Yeah. And along with that, I'm thinking like, there's a lot of ways that my faith, my spirituality and my orientation, like like push against each other. But there's also some ways where they just work so harmoniously. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one of them for me, this, this idea that like, I have a personal savior, like the atonement of Jesus Christ means that Christ knows me. And there's other people I, I appreciate. I really appreciate what you said about role models. And, and and there are people that understand what it's like to be a gay man in the church. Um, and that's helpful. But there's only one person who really understands what it means to be Charlie. Yeah. And and ultimately, like, that's who I want to be. I don't want to be a gay man in the church. I want to be myself connected with my Savior. I would say one other thing that I found is um, finding spaces where I can be both of those attributes that are lower stake. So, for example, at the gym. So at the gym, I talk about how I can't work out because I'm going to church on Sunday. Mm. And then I also talk about when my trainer says, that I need to straighten out my arms that they'll never get straight because they've been gay since I was born. Right. The, so like, I, I don't know if this is offensive, but I was going to ask if you lead the music with the limp wrist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I wear very bright shirts every week. So it's like nice, but like finding, finding spaces where at the gym they're they don't care first and foremost, whether I'm one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, work for me has been another space. When I moved to 
to Phoenix, um, I made the commitment I was going to be me. And so when I introduced myself to all these community members who I knew majority were part of the church or uh, Latter-day Saint, mm-hmm. um, that I just said it. So I'm, I'm a member of the Church of Christ Latter-day Saints and I'm also gay and that's not a combination I'd recommend. I, that's kind of, <laughs> I just kind of put it out there and then they would kind of look at me and laugh about it. But I, I knew that's not their first interaction with me. So finding some communities where it's a lower a lower risk to be both mm-hmm. I think is helpful that's, that's really good that's good advice yeah that's really good advice so as we've been talking what I've been hearing everyone saying is it's normal to not feel like you belong and that tension you might feel between two communities can actually be a good and powerful thing and that maybe sometimes that tension we put on ourselves and so if we can connect with God remove that feeling like we have to choose one or the other then we can help find us help find the space for ourselves yeah and also the the power that 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 others have the allies have in making sure that there's room for us in a place where we belong mm-hmm. yeah i i really like keep coming back to that sorting hat analogy yeah. and hopefully i don't know if you're not a harry potter fan this would be a great time to read all of them so go. you can understand what we're talking about <laughs> go raven pops <laughs> right but but even like then <laughs> this is gonna get so cheesy again sorry everyone <laughs> But, like, even as a Gryffindor, like, Harry still opened the Chamber of Secrets, right? And there's, there's like, a there's such a beauty in not being one or the other. Yeah. And so if you can not sort yourself and then find a core group of people who care about you that don't make you do that, I think that's where healing begins. Can I share one story? I love that. There's only one thing that made... I don't usually cry reading books, but I cried reading Harry Potter 7. And it was during the Battle of Hogwarts when all the students were evacuated and then all the Gryffindors and all the Hufflepuffs came back to fight. That made me cry, like that loyalty. And I guess I just love when people stick with us so they don't have to. Yeah. That's funny. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming. You know, you're one of our few out-of-state guests. And I, for some reason, like insisted that you be here in person. We not do this on Zoom. And then you ended up being our first videoed guest. So I'm really glad you you made the trek up here to, to be with us in person. And what a treat to see you on the video. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me be on the podcast. <laughs> Because I, I forgot to tell you we were filming, and yesterday I was like, I told you we were filming, right? And you were like, no. <laughs> Do I have an option? And I was like, technically really. yes, but also no. <laughs> oh, we're, we're super grateful that you're willing to be here and put yourself out that way. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram or Facebook at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives today, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of perspectives. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until Until next time. time.